The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. At what point do we get to, like, at what point do you look and admit that maybe we have a problem? I'll tell you what, man. Cauldra's not good enough. Cauldra is an amazingly good card. Not good enough. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Planeswalkers Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk magic. Matt. How you doing today? Uh, better than you, it sounds like. Yeah, had a pretty rough day at work. <laughs> yeah, it seems like uh, having Tuesday was the right day off to have off yeah. this week. Yeah. The right day to have off this week. So uh, I sat around and did very little. Um, I did some chores around the house and whatnot. As you should um, on your day off. Yep. Might as well make my entire week work-based, right? Uh-huh. Um, been playing some Valheim. I talked to you about that earlier in the week. Um, yeah, that's pretty funny because I, I I told you I'd seen a TikTok about how like Valheim made a whole big thing about we broke the game you wanted it fixed so we fixed it and so you had texted me and said like yeah they actually fixed the game it's pretty fun and then the next morning you were like yeah I played like an hour and a half and that game still kind of fucking sucks yeah it's I it it might be in one of our earlier episodes I don't know if I if oh, I talked, talked about, about it. okay I thought we had but so the change they made fundamentally changed the way food works and the way stamina works. Mm-hmm. And so they the food is much better than it used to be, but it doesn't seem like they dialed back how much uh, an individual action takes from your stamina. Yeah. And so like you get into these situations where the game wants you to kill 10 enemies and or like a boss and you just don't have the stamina to yeah. act or you don't have the health to survive any hits. Yeah. So like... I build towards a most like I use you get three foods. I use two primarily health foods and one stamina food. So it's not even like I'm not gearing towards stamina. And I was fighting one of the bosses and I told Jake this earlier in the week or last week. I was just sitting there staring at him waiting for my stamina to fill up. Yeah. And he wasn't doing anything either. Like the boss <laughs> fight wasn't hard. Yeah. It's just I am not allowed to act. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, the reason I started playing is a guy I work with. uh he had brought up that you can mod it fairly easily. Like Valheim doesn't support mods, but there are a bunch of mods out. It like it doesn't natively support it yeah, in the same way like um like, like Skyrim does. Yeah. Uh but there's a it's called like R2 Mod Man. There's like a, a mod launcher and it just automatically does all this stuff for you. So I got the mod for isn't returning internet, stamina back <laughs> to the way it used to be. Isn't the internet amazing? It is pretty good. Like just how much stuff there is that people produce for free yeah it's just like some guys just like hey you know what i or also girl. didn't like that stamina change yeah come on they're mod they're making mods for a viking game yeah, yeah. it's a guy Probably. let's be real here it's on the numbers <laughs> yes if but i yeah, had to like, take a bet i'm betting on a guy not only did this person him her whatever did, did he decide he wanted to make fix it and write a ton of code to fix it he also went to the effort of posting it online in yep. a usable way for other people to use yep he's the the uh, mod community is basically built around charity. Yeah. Uh, they just do a ton of free work and give it out because they're passionate about the game. And I'm glad they are because Valheim is a great game that got ruined effectively by one patch in my book. I know there's plenty of people that disagree. I got downvoted into oblivion on Reddit when I was just like, hey, guys, this is probably a change for the worse. And yep. they're like, you just don't like change. I'm like, I played this game for 200 hours. I love this game. Yep. And now it's it, quite frankly, it's boring. 
with yeah. the like you just don't get to play. We compared it to Minecraft with stamina. Yeah, like and the point of Minecraft is you kind of just go forever, and that's the point of this game is kind of like it's Minecraft. You just kind of go, you yeah, just do stuff. Like I mean, the most basic stuff takes stamina. So like you're out there planting crops. Yep. I'm in no danger at all, and I have to wait for my stamina bar to fill up. Probably one of the best things Elden Ring did to wrap this back around to Elden Ring is they removed the stamina bar when you're not in combat. Perfect. Like that. Pretty cool. Like. If you're not actively being attacked and the game should be able to tell when you when and when yep. you aren't, like, for example, the game knows when there's at least an enemy close enough to prevent you from sleeping. Yeah. If all they did was that, that would be a huge step in the right direction. If there's not an enemy in range to prevent you from sleeping, your stamina doesn't get used. Yeah, exactly. Like, but it's it's so the mod the mods helped. Um, yep. There's also some cooler mods. There's one that made it have kind of like your traditional like Diablo or Borderlands esque type of loot. Mm hmm. Um, Oh yeah, sort of dropping loot. Yeah, so like, so it's like grinding through enemies is less like tedious because you're yeah. getting things now. Well, and they they spam you with these hunts. So every time you kill a boss, it unlocks an event for basically the next biome. It sends their and it allows the next biome to start sending their enemies at you. Mm -hmm. So you'll just be tooling around and it'll be like you are hunted, and then like twenty wolves will trickle in, and you'll be fighting three or four of them at a time, even though they're easy to fight. Yeah, well, and this just... is another stamina issue. Is like these enemies. I'll be fighting them. They can't even hurt me, but I'll have to sit around and wait for my stamina mm -hmm. to recover in order to kill them. High quality gameplay. <laughs> yeah. It was just, just an asinine mistake. Like to me, it's one of the, like the, the from software games have had a very positive impact on a lot of games. And they've also had some negative impacts and Valheim suffers from one of the negative impacts of it where they're trying to make it arbitrarily hard. Yeah. And it's like Valheim was never really difficult and the stamina change didn't change the difficulty. Mm -hmm. It just made it annoying. Yeah. Like you hard games. Sure. Play them. Some of the boss fights actually are a little hard. If you don't go, if you don't approach them, like, like Valheim's like 90% preparation. Yeah. The, the mechanics aren't as fine tuned as they are in other games. But like, if you go to fight biomass and you don't have the right weapons, you don't beat him. He will kick your shit in. Gotcha. Like you have to have poison resistant potions and a blunt weapon and you have to know all this stuff. But, like, if you're prepared, he's not terribly difficult. If uh -huh. you're not, you're in deep shit. But when it's just a matter of, like, okay, if all I need to do is prepare, and then I'm just sitting there staring at yep. the dragon it's boss just, and not attacking. It's just not fun. It's not fun. It, 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 it's kind of like, um, to draw a comparison, it wouldn't matter how good a format is if it's not fun to play. <laughs> yeah, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah, sometimes it's both. But <laughs> yes. it's just not fun. It's yep. just not fun. If it's not fun, I don't want to play it. Yep, so... Um, with mods, it like I said, that mod just pops it right back in. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been tinkering around with that. That's what I've been doing the past week. What about you, Jake? So speaking of not fun, uh, play, I, I'm very close to beating Elden Ring and not in a completionist run. Just like I'm at the final boss of the game, mm -hmm. technically. And I, fo I fought him a couple of times. I think I talked about where like, it's going to be a grind. So I've kind of been doing other things. And I wanted to go fight what is kind of accepted as the hardest boss in the game. It's Melania, Melania, Melania. They all have similar names, but mm -hmm. the, it's a she's a swordsman. And the joke is the joke. The 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 lore is she's a swordsman who's never been defeated. That's which, in fairness, if you think about it, anyone who ever fought, like anyone who ever battled, like back in ye olde days, they're all undefeated. If they're alive, they're because, undefeated. Yeah, everyone who's alive is undefeated. But yep. that's she's the master swordsman, and there's whole compilations of people spending. Five hours, ten hours, twenty hours trying to beat her. Um, there, the the joke is that people will change their entire build to beat her. Go respec and get new weapons and upgrade them. And a friend of mine that I deliver to, he runs one. He runs one of the local businesses. 
was talking about how he spent like six, eight hours trying to beat her and finally beat her. Mm-hmm. And that's like, well, I, I'll go find her and I'll get to that point in yeah. the game. And I'll try and get there. And she's obviously yep. an end game boss. So she's hard to get to. The enemies are all really, really difficult. I found her and I beat her in like six tries. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one, that, that's Is a, she just one of those bosses that like lines up your play style lines up well against her against so her basically my she her uh my build lined up well against her and my play style i think lines up against her i don't think i think trying to fight her as an attrition fighter is wrong i'm very which i mean i'm i, I don't play dark souls right mm-hmm. and that's my game i'll play how i want but yep. i don't play it correctly i play very tanky i like i max my health i usually max one of my stats like this is a strength build and I just kind of go in and I try and I do the whole, <laughs> I punch you, you punch me and one of us will fall. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's, I do plenty of dodging. I, I'm decent at the game, like about not getting Well, you hit. just make it so you don't, when but, you get hit twice, you're not dead. Yes. And, but like I hit very hard. And um, so I went and tried, if anyone plays Elden Ring, I was using um, Radon's Scar, St- Star Scourge swords. It's, it's two colossal swords that are as big as me. And um, they're really cool. It's you you dual wield them. They're massive. They do tons of damage, but they're slow. They're mm-hmm. really slow. And so I fought Melania a couple times. Like I fought him like three or four times. Like I just really wasn't getting anywhere. I would fight, fight, fight. And like the second or third time I was fighting her, I'm doing decent damage. I'm getting plenty of hits on. Then I'll die, and I notice that she still has like eighty five percent of her health. Mm-hmm. And it's I, it hit my mind where I'm like, am I doing that little damage where I can hit her ten times? And I don't, I do 5% of her health. Mm-hmm. So the next time I fought her, I was paying a little more attention. When she hits you, she heals. Oh, so you She's have to stealing. dodge. So you, you, you cannot, uh, you have to be careful how tanky you get with her. Mm-hmm. Cause you, yeah, you can't just take the hits. You can't just push through them. Cause she just fills right back up. Yep. So I switched from those to. What I do not know, but apparently is a big weakness of her. She's very weak against bleed damage. Hey, we actually talked. I was curious if that's what was going to come up. Yep. We, you and I had talked about that last week. Yeah. So I pulled out my uh, the Rivers of Blood Katana, which does pretty good bleed damage and is very fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, have I told you how bleed works in the game? Yeah, you told it's me. It's a hidden but, bar. Yep. And when you max out, it, they take a big chunk of health. And that after fighting her like two or three times with that, I I won. I beat her. It's, I got to phase two pretty quickly um, using. So anyone listening. I didn't summon help on this one, but I have been. I use uh, my spirit summon. I have a mimic that I use, even though it got debuffed. It's still pretty Is that good. the one that got nerfed a little bit? It did recently just get, yeah, they just nerfed the mimic. Because, I mean, the joke was people were putting up videos of they would go in like New Game Plus with their max level mimic. And the mimic would just clean they up. They would just sit and watch and yeah. the mimic would beat bosses. Um, but a lot, there's a lot of, because, of, because the Soulsborne community is one of the more toxic communities where everyone is just so excited to wave their dick in your face about, I beat the game with without banana yeah i use bananas as my controller um that you're not playing the game right if you're playing with your summons and it's like uh i don't care yep I, the first time i played through uh bloodborne dark souls 3 uh sekiro which sekiro didn't have as much helping but you could summon people you could summon i think you could summon maybe not i've been talking i played sekiro the first time i played through any of them i i i go easy mode i summon people i'll use whatever resources the game gives me to try and get through the bosses and yep. just that's what the they're game. there for and then my second playthrough I always very aggressively I beat the game by myself. Now I'm max level. That's I I'm not here to brag to anybody. Yeah. Now that I'm max level, I've beaten the game. Now I go through, I beat all the bosses by myself no matter what. And it's it's a lot of fun. Can you I'm assuming you can refight bosses after you've killed them? Nope. You can't? Nope. So you gotta start a whole new game if you wanted to try yep. like 
Melania on another at build. Least, at least uh, like every, all the Souls board games so far. Maybe gotcha. in Elden Ring there's a way to do it. I don't think there is. Like when the boss dies, they're dead. They should put like an arena in there. Uh, where you can be cool. But I think it's also part of it. Like it's, you're, you're not, they don't want you to just be able to, I mean, there's mods that you can do, but they don't want you to just grind on bosses. Yeah. Um, so when I go back and play the game again, I will play it. I will, I will try to beat every single boss by myself with no help, mimic or anything. But I beat her in like seven tries. Well it done. wasn't that terrible. The, the Rivers of Blood's pretty cheap because it has a, so weapons have weapon art where they do special attacks. The Rivers mm-hmm. of Blood, while doing decent damage, does a lot of blood buildup. And it's like special is like you do like a, a coordinated attack, but it's like slash, 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 mm-hmm. slash, slash, slash. So it puts a ton of bleed on it. Puts a ton of bleed on top of hitting her like nine times. Yeah. Like she's a very fast, uh, um, high agility uh, enemy. So she's always jumping around, whatever. So the windows to hit are very narrow in terms of just so move away. Yeah. Her attacks hit like a fucking tank. And she just like moves between them, dodges. She like dodges pretty well, her AI. So. The Rivers of Blood is really good. You can catch her after a dodge. You can get like six solid hits on her. Bleed her pretty quick. It wasn't that bad. There's a couple like like insta kill shots you have to dodge that I learned the hard way. That you can't. <laughs> can't soak that one. <laughs> nope. But if you do, it's not that bad. So. Gotcha. Yeah. The, it, it, it's oh. very it's very build dependent though. Like that's, mm-hmm. and that's one of the cool things about Dark Souls is like you'll always see. I I see it all the time where I see TikToks of people fighting bosses and they're like, I've been fighting this boss for two weeks and it's like I respect. Well. <laughs> I beat that boss in like three tries. Yeah. It's just that like that's the game is designed that way where you can make different builds and they're going to be good against some enemies and bad against other enemies. One of the you can't respec infinitely. You only have like seven or eight respecs per playthrough, Uh, but you could. Um, But like one of the we were talking about the the boss that allows you to respec because kind of the joke is that magic is easy mode. Magic is like kind of real easy mode where Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a and d like wizard where Obviously, you have your weaknesses. You're pretty squishy, but you also like have incredibly powerful ranged attacks. Like one of the reasons I think a strength build is kind of hard is I have to go stand next to the fucker and right. hit him with a sword. Yep, and he's got a hammer the size of me. But magic is kind of the easy mode. But like there are some bosses that just kind of bend you over a barrel. So the respect boss that you have to fight, like I killed her first try mm-hmm. pretty easily. I did have help, but I mean we just fucking gang banged her. And I was talking to my friend at work today, and where his friend who was a magic build. I guess he spent like two weeks trying to beat her because oh. she's resistant. She's a high magic user. Yep. So she's very resistant to magic and doesn't stagger on magic. Oh, you can't wow. stagger her. So, yeah. So it's it's real. And she she hurls giant like comets at you. And it's Elden Ring is very specifically designed to reward some builds more than others. And it's kind of yep. cool. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of games are like that. They just when you combine it with the traditional difficulty, then so like most games the boss will be hard against builds, but not like unbeatable. Yep. So it's going to take you two weeks. It'll be like, oh, well, this one's, yeah. it's immune to fire, whatever. Like, as long as you don't use fire. Well, if you're a fire build, you're, yeah. you know, in deep shit, but you got to use something else. But yeah. yeah, there's, yeah, there's some bosses where it's like, yeah, it, this boss is good against your build. So sit down. It's going to take you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you look at, you have to make perfect runs. Yeah. Um, The way I play when I have like, I, I wear really heavy armor because I have like, uh, I put a lot of, um, into your carrying capacity, a lot of levels, and I have really high health. I can get hit a lot, but sometimes, uh, especially like, like like magic characters, you don't get that luxury. Mm-hmm. And also, there are just some enemies that just hit so fucking hard. Like they feel like you're supposed to fight them from a distance. Yeah, but I can't. I have to stand next to them and hit them. And well, and the Melanie is a perfect example, though. Is like like soaking the damage. You don't want to do that. Yeah, you don't want to do that because she's I'll, just stealing the health. She's back. just filling back up. Yeah, I finished the fight, dying. I'm like, well, what? She says, she hasn't hardly taken a hit. Yeah, no, she does. She, she just basically won. You almost have to 
you almost have to have a perfect run against yeah. her as far as a melee or character. Just, goes. You just have to, I mean, ten to one, yeah. be hitting her. Yep. So yeah, the Elden Ring has permeate, permeated so much that like the the summon thing. I've heard about that nerf, and I I don't play the game. Yep. I'm not. A, <laughs> it, it's just making like generic game. Yeah. It's subreddit just, it's stuff. the gaming world is what yep. we that's just what we care about right now is Elden Ring. yeah the other thing we care about is shouting out the plain soccer's podcast before we get started on our episode today will and aramis put out a great show every monday at twitch.tv forward slash plains talkers podcast around 7 p.m eastern standard time to give you everything you didn't need to know about standard check them out hit them up on wednesday at that same twitch to see their uh commander craft where they stream live commander over spell table and join the Discord, discord.plainsoccerspodcast.com, to join in the game, or come say hi to us, or join in their uh, in their win-a-box tournaments that they actually just started, so you'll miss the one for New Capena, but you know, as soon as we have a new standard set coming out, they'll be hosting a free giveaway for a, I think it's a set booster box, but it's a free booster box from the Kerwin, Kerwin's Game Store, their, their lead sponsor. So check them out. We hope to see you over there at the Discord. Make sure and stop in, say hi to us, because we do have our own channel in there. And then maybe talk to some people or come check out our new Pioneer channel we're trying to get going. Because, I mean, if you listen to our podcast, you probably know, but the Pro Tour is back and it's Pioneer this time. Yep. So I'm trying to pick up Pioneer. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. Matt, how's Legacy looking? Not great. <laughs> I feel like I've been saying that a lot, but like... At what point do we get to... Like, at what point do you look and admit that maybe we have a problem? Well, this is one of those things, like... Because this was, a, I think, a super qualifier... If this doesn't elicit some response after they explicitly said we're they were watching. we're watching, then I don't know what will. Yeah. So it's bad. It it looks pretty ugly. I'm not gonna lie. Um, it's a joke. It's it's kind of like it feels like a skit they're writing on South Park, where it's like, at what point do people start to notice? We're like, <laughs> what if we make Delver like 20 percent of the meta? Okay, what if we make it like 25 percent? What if we make it like three of the top eight? Right. How about four of the top eight? Yeah, sure. How about five of the top eight? (laughs) Right. (laughs) So going over our top eight realistically isn't going to take all that long. Uh, No. There's only four decks. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's kind of only. Well, those uh, those lands decks are different. Yes. The the lands decks are legitimately different. We've got green, white depths, and we've got a traditional lands deck. Um, But yeah, so we'll just get it started, I suppose. Yeah. Um, DM4X brought it home with Blue Red Delver. Yeah, well done. Um, we'll go through the winning list to make sure that he didn't come up with some spicy tech. Uh, looks like his spicy tech was one Steam Vince instead of two. Hey, it's, <laughs> we're uh, right back down to one Brazen Borrower, uh, one Force Negation, only one Mishra's Bobble. Yeah, hey, yeah, this is pretty stock list. There's nothing in here or in the sideboard that really changed. I mean, we've seen all these cards before. They kind of sideboards kind of filter out. There's some personal preference involved. There's like guessing the metagame, although guessing the metagame, you have a one and three shot at yeah. of one of the decks and you're playing them. So and there's Delver, eight cast and uh, either reanimator or lands. Yeah. So congratulations. Um, hopefully next week you'll be playing a different deck. Yep. In second place, we have lands. So just, oh, actually I'm wrong. It's not lands. I just glanced at it. It's eight mulch. Yep. Which so, is kind of, a, it's, it's a land style for sure, but it's it a land style deck, lands. leans a lot harder on those type of effects rather than uh, being solely dedicated to the life from the loan package. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get the uh, mul- uh, mulch and winding way. Those are your two eight. That's your eight mulches. You've got life from the loam. Duh. Crop rotation. Duh. And then you've got exploration. And on top of exploration, you've got mana bond. So this deck is going to be very explosive. And 
yeah, this is like calling it a combo deck probably isn't quite right, but like it kind of like it's that explosivity where it's trying to go insane as quick as possible. Yes. Like traditional lands is a very grindy deck. Mm -hmm. It can absolutely combo off on like turn two or three with dark depths, but that's, I mean, you realistically that's plan a, but that's not what the deck is designed to do. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a control deck. This is not a control deck mm -mm. in the, in the like traditional way that we think of control decks. Like it, it's not looking to make the game go to turn 12. Yep. It's trying to be explosive, do powerful things, yes. and then get your dark depths on. Make dark depths happen or make a uh, field of the dead happen very quickly. Right. Which it can do either one of those game plans yep. very, I mean, very well. The mana bond's ability to just turbocharge this game plan is crazy. Well, yeah. I mean, between mana bond, mulch, and winding way, like mulch and winding way each read two mana draw four cards. Yep. Because the only things you can hit are either lands, life from the loam. Those are really the only two cards yeah. that actually matter. Like Anything if you're already you, you didn't want. Correct. Like I mean, yeah, you you want exploration, you want mana bond, but if you're already doing mulch and winding way, if you hit yeah. a life from the loam or whatever, you don't need them anymore. You got to draw four. Right. And that's basically what those read. So, very yeah. powerful deck. Happy to see it. That's it's probably one of the spicier decks in recent history. Like it was one of those decks that just like within the past like yep. 8 weeks was just created it, it and appeared. is yep and just it's, started doing things it's very much like that jeskai days undoing list where it's like no one's talking about it and then it just starts winning tournaments yeah and that's how this like this mulch deck was where it just like it just keeps showing up in like top eights and top 32s and then it's gone for like a week or two and then it's just right back in a second place yep absolutely i side note um this was way back in the day this was like middle school high school era magic for me but i actually played mulch i'm probably one of the few people who's ever cast a mulch uh i used it in a seismic assault uh, like a red green seismic assault seismic assault mulch deck mm -hmm. so it was seismic assault three red mana discard a land to shock somebody well three red mana is the enchantment yeah it's a three mana enchantment and it basically lets all of your lands become shocks yeah and so it's just digging through the deck with mulch yep ran uh, it's the it's the old question of how many lightning bolts do you want to run in your deck yeah. and the answer is like 30 as or many as i can yep so all right next up in third fourth fifth and sixth yep blue red delver they're, we will give all of these a couple minutes hey these totally. decks uh they're super different like two of them have no brazen borrower uh one of them has three mistress bobbles one of them uh, is the same as first place like identical uh one of them had one steam vents instead of two steam vents uh <laughs> yeah, yeah these are the same decks guys yep i don't like i mean don't get me wrong bmj duke uh duke 12 travis 84 27 azaret 218 uh, second place, we'll give him credit. Kel Masterpiece and some name names. Good job, guys. Yep. It's not easy to top no. a showcase challenger by any means, uh, but I hate your deck. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Um, then in seventh place, we've got green-white depths. So this is this is, this is is like a tradition. Well, I yes. shouldn't say lands because it's not quite lands. Yes. But this is, this is the, like more traditional like aggro style of lands that we're used to seeing. Yes, this is. This isn't like a, a grindy tabernacle style of lands. This is turbo- what do we call it? Eight rot. It's like an eight rot or twelve <laughs> yes. rot deck. So you've got Elvish Reclaimer, Knight of the Reliquary, and then Crop Rotation. It's like your twelve rot deck. Yep. So anymore, there used to be Turbo Depths, but that has kind of this has kind of yeah. replaced that. Well, so we've got lands. Yava Maya coming in and letting your stuff because we used to be Turbo Depths because you would use uh, Urborg yep. and things like uh, what's the Vampire Hexmage? Yeah, Vampire, vampire Hexmage that to like turbo it out on turn one or two. Yeah, and this isn't. I don't think this is like reliably as fast. But I think you just get better yeah, cards. Yeah, I think the soonest this could do it would be turn... Th I, think, I think you'd need a third land, wouldn't you? Because you could tap... You'd need the Thespian Stage, Dark Depths, and then the second land 
the second if the third land was Yavamea, you could yep. tap Yavamea and the Dark Depths to activate the Thespian Sage and Golf. Yep. So And you could Mox Diamond could come in and fill that yes. gap too. But yes, you like, could theoretically do it on turn two, but it's not designed to like like Turbo Depths was dedicated to yeah. get it go. It had two different ways to get it to go off on turn two. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it was trying to do. This is going, I'm gonna run some overall better cards and be a turn slower. Yep. So you've got like Knight of the Reliquary, Elvish Reclaimer in there to a get the combo out, but B there I mean Knight of the Reliquary can beat face like nobody's yeah. business. And also like wastelanding people twice is amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like yeah. you can do some pretty broken stuff with Knight of the Reliquary as well. Um yeah. So this is just as a spoiler alert, this top eight is basically Delver and decks that are good against Delver. I feel bad since I've been naming names. M maps in one twenty five. Yep, we'll seventh. Just I, do the to- the whole top eight. It, feel, it feels mean to name everyone else. Yeah, we'll name. do one through seven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or one through uh, six. One yeah. through six. So green white depths got in sixth. It um, looks pretty standard. Like going through. I don't see anything. I don't like, see anything I haven't seen before. Yep. Like one bazooka bo- or one bazooka bog. One besaju. It's kind of what we expected. The lands list looks pretty similar. They're pretty standard. Three mox diamond. Uh, didn't see anything in here particularly crazy. Even the sideboard. Yep. Yeah, the nothing. Tower of the Magistrate is becoming more and more popular in these lists, which is kind of cool. It's like I, I mean, that's kind of cool to see that much Calder hate finally coming out, where people are like dedicating legit sideboard slots to it. Yeah, yep. Well, and especially in these where you can tutor out your lands, yep. like you want, like in these type of decks, you want as many of your sideboard cards to be lands as possible because you got twelve tutors for them main yeah. deck, and then you can just one for one take out some of the lands that are kind of mediocre. Yep, because you got some in there. You got, so, yeah, you got plenty that are relatively irrelevant yeah. to make room for a glitch. Well, like Caracas a, is a perfect example. Yeah. If you're playing against, uh, if I'm thinking about this correctly, well, if you Blue had, Red Delver doesn't run any legendary yeah. creatures. Yep, Caracas can come out for something else, like or, a, maybe for a glacial. I mean, Glacial Chasm is a great card against Blue yep. Red Delver to buy you that turn or two. Mm-hmm. So, and then in eighth place, rounding it out, we have Martin Med Mitten with Ruby Storm. Yeah, this is a really cool list. I've heard... Um, a podcast about this like a year ago and just like it's one of those things where it's like someone's baby this is kind of one of those like budget legacy decks people have kind of brewed up and tuned but it's such a it, there's so much passion for it it's so fun to listen to them talk about it and mm-hmm. it's just also a really cool deck it's really really powerful for yep. a thousand dollar deck i mean that's like in legacy that's i mean it's basically you're looking at the budget of death and taxes that's not that's less than that's less than a lot of modern decks right yep. now yeah it's Super I mean, cool. realistically, like you could cut a city of traders and get that down to like seven hundred bucks. Right. Yeah. If you just didn't have the money. Yeah. The you know you've got one reserve list card in this whole list. Yeah. And Jessica's wills are is that fifteen dollars a piece? Looks like it. Yeah. Good card. Magic, Actually, uh, magic's expensive. It is. <laughs> <laughs> but again, this is the budget list. the The only problem with this kind of list is when you're buying stuff like Jessica's will. That's not going to do you yeah. any good in any the other The hard deck. thing about buying these decks is it's just like a lot, like those uh, Ruby medallions for $28, $30 a piece just don't help anything. Yep, unless so, you have a lot of <laughs> red decks in EDH. If you haven't seen Ruby Storm, the deck, I'm going to try to remember what the per- they were talking about a year or two ago, unless you have some crazy insight on this deck. I'm probably, probably huh. no more about it than I you. I mean, you probably know more. It's not terribly hard to gather what it is. You use Ruby medallions to decrease the CMC of your... Uh, red mana spells making them all go mana positive making them a lot more efficient then you use something like alvanic relay to kick off your deck and do big turns with like reforge the souls and stuff like that bergy is the real engine of it where you start because bergy gives you a red mana when out like an extra red out like yep she's she's kind of she's like ruby medallion 
Yeah. Five and six. She helps. It's like she really helps um like really get you going in the like you're really like netting crazy amounts of mana. And then she has on the back end the like just card amazing card draw. So if you get like midway through your combo and you're running out of gas, yeah. Spending five mana, which isn't terribly hard for these decks, to get the ability to discard a card and then exile the top two cards. Basically Every card you exile is a draw to. Yep. So you start dumping cards out of your hand to really get through your deck. And yeah, you're right. Other than that, it's just these like absurd amounts of um crazy like rituals that just give you tons of mana. Bonus round is like he said like they were talking about bonus round is one of those things like people don't expect it. Like your first bonus round, it gets pretty good. Your second bonus round, you yeah. have almost infinite mana now. Yep. Where you're just like because they stack, so your cop. Because bonus round is one red red for a sorcery until the end of turn. Whenever a player casts an instant or sorcery spell, that player copies it and may choose new targets for the copy. So when you get to cast Manamorphos and it makes you get three copies, you draw three cards, make six mana. It just it just it's stupid. It's just stupid. Yeah. So you effectively do all of that, generate a bunch of mana, dig into your burning wish, and then bane fire them for whatever their life goal is. Or, or you, and you have grape shots in the side. Yeah, you've you got, got grape you got shot. A, you got wish to get your grape shots. You've yeah, got, the the typical storm stuff. Yeah, typical storm stuff. Now that I play, uh, I, so I'm talking about Pioneer a little bit. I play a Lotus Field combo in Pioneer. I want them to put grape shot in Pioneer so badly. <laughs> <laughs> the deck would be so much easier if I could just yep. get grape shot. I don't think that's going to happen. Probably if, not. It, if I'm remembering correctly, Pioneer is probably, it's like cons forward or something like that, and Re- then it's only standard legal sets, right? Return to Ravnica forward. Gotcha. And only standard legal. Yeah, that, well, Grape Shot's never going to be in standard. It, I know. The, the Storm scale's literally named after Storm. But I can <laughs> I'm going to guess Storm is a 10 <laughs> on the Storm yeah. scale. Yeah. <laughs> you could totally put Grape Shot in standard, though. That's the thing. Like, Grape Shot's not too good for standard. Now, I, A, I agree with you there, but this is when I would get, uh, when I would get in to like getting a dig in and what uh at Watsy, they always just have these rules where they're like, well, we can't just have one storm spell. That's true. So like they'd have to print they'd the have mechanic. to do in according to their own rules. Now obviously they wouldn't have to do anything because it's not like the federal government's gonna kick go to <laughs> Seattle or where what is it? I can't remember. Yeah, it's are. just outside of Seattle. They're not technically in Seattle. Um, kick in the doors and be like, you printed Grape Shot in a set with no other storm. They just will never do that. It's okay. Now that we've got the PT, the Pro Tour coming back for Pioneer, we'll have uh, Pioneer Masters or whatever soon. Or uh, we'll, have, we'll have Pioneer Horizons, and I'll get in that. There you go. And then a uh, quick shout out, Fluffy21, Elves in ninth place. Hey, Never going to leave my Elves guy hanging. Yeah, absolutely should. And yeah, so... So, as anyone can probably guess from the medic with the sorry, we top do it kind of quick. But when five deck, when you yeah. can, when you can do a five for one, and the, things up. Well, and the big thing is, like, we could talk about it, and but I think everyone here knows our opinions on this. Yep. This is ridiculous. This shouldn't exist. Yep. And there are here, three or four cards we could name to get rid of them that would prevent this. Let's spend an extra ten minutes or five more minutes. Maybe maybe people haven't heard our opinion on like how do we fix legacy? Like, what's we basically have two cards we'd ban right away. And a, and a philosophy that we have to fix legacy. So mine, Jake and I, we might occasionally differ on specific cards, but I think we, generally speaking, look at the format pretty similarly. Yeah. There's a couple priorities for me. And in general, I think the old card, uh, if you have to ban an old card or a new card, you should ban the new card. Like if there's an AB combo and the new one is part of it and it's a new and an old one, ban the, the, I mean, the, the new the, one. The best example is Underworld Breach. Correct. We didn't ban brain st- or Brain Freeze. Right. You ban Underworld Breach. Yep. Legacy by design is older cards. So while we shouldn't never ban old cards, the guiding principle here should be 
people play legacy because they want to play with older stuff. Yeah. That, that. being said, <laughs> there's some older cards that are really problematic. Yep. Um, I think we can all probably guess, given the name of our podcast, what they are. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you have to. They've come out and said now this was a couple years ago and Wizards is not very good at keeping their promises. Ago. Yeah. Uh, either Brainstorm or Ponder, potentially even both need to go. I would do them one at a time. I would do Brainstorm first. In, in a vacuum, those cards probably shouldn't be legal in the format. Yeah. Now, just I after talking to people and talking to people and talking to people, I think we work under the assumption Brainstorm's not going anywhere. Yep. Like, I think the world would fucking burn down if they banned. I mean, Legacy would burn to the ground if they banned Brainstorm. So working under the assumption Brainstorm wouldn't be banned, I think we take Ponder. Yeah. I think Blue Shells need to lose Ponder. Um, we always talk about how... You know, is it Delver is always in the top eight? Is it Delver is always the best deck? Is it Delver has gotten five or six not blue cards banned because it's just too efficient and it's too consistent. Yep. So how do we how do we lower the consistency of a deck? We remove this cantrip that is literally re it's restricted in vintage. Like, and that's the thing is like everybody knows this card is too good. And it's these kind of cards get banned or restricted in every other format. Yeah. And every other format, we all know why. And then. For whatever reason, people have this image in their head of like, oh, well, Legacy is just different than the rest of Magic, and it's just not true. I mean, like, it, like, like we, we can be. make it, but what I mean is like, for some reason, that these cards aren't problematic in Legacy. Yeah. And they clearly are. Like, yep. if we scroll down, Brainstorm is in 72% of decks. If that was, if this was any other format, if that got up to like 40 or 50%, they would mm -hmm. ban it. I mean, Luris got banned out of Modern for being in a third of the decks. Yeah. And we've got twice that in this, and then now Force of Will I don't think should go, but it is also in 70% of decks, and that's also probably a, that's a symptom of Brainstorm and Ponder. Yep. And then you've got Ponder in 69% of decks, and then Pyroblast in 66, two-thirds of the meta is running Pyroblast. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so, just ridiculous. So I, I think we are on the ban Ponder train, again, just to lower the consistency of these decks, the ability of Delver and... As a person who plays blue shells, every blue deck that runs Ponder's ability to just like dig through your deck so efficiently. Yep. So what does that mean? It means you run Preordain. It's a little worse. Is it? I mean, is it a lot worse? Sure. Is Preordain also banned in in most other formats? Yes. Sure is. Yeah. Like it's still it's still restricted in Vintage because Scry two draw one is very very strong. It's worse than Ponder for sure, but it's still very very strong. In and in a lot of cases, it's not even necessarily worse than Ponder. In my opinion, Preordain is better at finding a specific card because you don't shuffle. So, like, if you need to get, like... If you need a force. If you need a force or you need ad nauseum, in general, you'd rather cast Preordain. Now, with Ponder, if you have one turn, you want Ponder because you get to just see four cards instead of three. Yeah. But if you're digging consistently, you'd rather Preordain because you go, nope, nope, yeah. those aren't... You Those are leave cards yep, on the bottom. That's not tendrils of agony. Those go on the bottom. Okay, yeah. cool. This one was. But but just to make the argument that like the world doesn't end if you had to switch from ponder to preordain. It's not even necessarily a pure downgrade. People always because uh, I, I float the idea to everyone I talk to. I don't I don't hide that I am very much on the banned ponder train. I think I think we've moved past the 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 time when ponder can be played in legacy and not have a ridiculously joke of a format. Or the other side of that is if you want to keep ponder. You have to ban every single very good, very efficient threat Delver can run until the end of time, Yep, which is what we've been doing. And not even just Delver, because that's the thing. Like Delver's currently the problem. But to me, the problem is the cantrip force shell. Yeah. And if it wasn't Delver, like I can't remember the last time a blue deck, a non blue deck was dominant in Legacy. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, I mean like Underworld Breach, but like I guess that kind of was a blue. Deck I mean, that's a blue brain, deck. Brain, brain freeze. Yeah. <laughs> the other card, because I, I said two. The other, it's not very controversial at all. Ban Murktide. Yeah, the, that just needs to go. The fact that you you can spend two mana on an eight eight uh, with evasion, it's too good. Yep. So like, well, it, there's a general consensus that like that is probably currently the card pushing Delver well beyond what is appropriate right now. Yeah. I don't want to knock Delver back down to where it was though, because even before all this started, Delver was yeah one before of the best Modern decks. Horizons. Two yes. came out. The blue red Delver like, was already. I'm the best even deck. saying right now, let them keep expressive iteration, even though expressive iteration should probably also be banned because a two a two mana draw two with selection is probably too good. Also, well, and here's the thing: if you got rid of ponder, you have you still have brainstorm, preordain, and expressive iteration. Yes. These decks aren't dead; nope. they're just shaving a and and the, some the, percentage the off the thing top. People will bring up is um, combo. You don't want a gut combo. I don't want a gut combo. Combo should exist. And the cantrips allow combo to exist when you have to dig through your deck and find specific pieces. But I'm not, we're just taking one of the best ones. Like, it amazes me people forget that we have so many other really, really good cantrips. I mean, we have Portent. I, 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 I'm a firm believer that the argument that Portent might be better than Ponder. You, you, you don't, or not Ponder. Not Pre-order. Ponder. Preordain. Because, like, you do get to look an extra card deep. You do get to set up shenanigans where you're drawing on your opponent's turn. You get to um, look at them, which has relevance, in my opinion. Like, you still get to look at three cards. It, the cards are very comparable. I get that one's worse than the other, and that's the point. Just run a worse one. You don't get to stop. You don't get to not run cantrips. You just run a, a slightly worse cantrip, and you bring that up to people, and, like, they lose their mind. How dare you ever talk about banning Ponder? Legacy wouldn't even be remotely the same. It would be almost exactly the same. It would be looking at one card less different. Well, and the big thing with me is combo right now is is, is, is in the worst spot I've seen it, if you're not playing Dark Depth. It's kind of back and forth. I mean, like, it, we had a, well, we had it can a go on runs, But the worst thing a combo player wants to see is 30% of the meta is Delver. Yep. That is his worst matchup by far. Yep. Stick a threat disrupt them until they f- lose until you kill them with a couple delvers and murktide does a great job at that mm-hmm. so like i mean look at this like show and tell's not on here there's two ad nauseum decks and one storm deck yep and one of the those, top one of those uh epic storm decks was bryant cook like right no, does he count <laughs> towards just, he's definitely an outlier yeah like, like he's ability, the best storm player on the planet his so, ability to pilot that deck is a little bit extreme and that's what i'm talking about like yes as a show and tell player you lose you switch from ponder to preordain or if you're already running it you probably go ponder brainstorm expressive iteration and you may you yep. may lose some consistency but your worst matchup gets way worse because one of the things it's it's implicit in this in a lot of these conversations but one of the reasons delver wins so much is it hardly ever draws too many lands like it can run so many i mean blue red delver runs five or six mana producing lands mm-hmm like that's ridiculous. It's so easy to draw to because them. it's so easy to draw into them Along between the they, fetches and the cantrips and that very low curve. Helps. And the, well, yes, but again, these all the all of these yeah. things dig in or like interplay with each yep. other. So it's a crazy complicated issue. Um, I don't. I'm not even saying maybe Ponder is the only thing Blue Shells need to lose. Especially Del. I, I think Delver needs to lose at least one more thing. But I think and Legacy Blue Shells need to lose uh, Ponder. Yeah, if we're going without banning the cantrips then it has to be expressive iteration in Murktide region. Yeah. Both. Yep. Neither one's going to, because like Blue Red Delver was crapping all over the format before it got Murktide. Yep. And it still has DRC. Yeah. Which is an amazingly powerful card. Right. So that's our, that's our 10 cents on like how to fix legacy. If you haven't heard us talk about, we try, we don't want to talk about it every single week because it gets pretty boring to hear us complain about the same cards. But if you haven't heard, if you're a new listener, that's like, 
Like, I, you can laugh at us all the way to the bank about how like fucking losers want to ban Ponder or Brainstorm. Like, look at the numbers, man. Seventy percent, seventy percent. Yeah. Like, I, I'll agree. I think Force of Will needs to exist in a format. Ooh, it that absolutely has does. The 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 degeneracy we have. I fully believe you can't ban Force of Will. You can ban Ponder. Well, you you could in theory if you wanted well, to ban a bunch of cards. Yeah, you'd be adding about twenty cards to that ban list yeah, if you got rid of Force of Will. Well, you're, you need to ban turn zero, turn one, and turn two combo. Yeah, like if you can't stop a combo with Counterspell, it should probably be banned. If you're going to ban Force of Will, yeah, the uh, um, which like no one wants to ban Force of Will. Don't no. ban Force of Will. No, of course not. The the other thing to keep in mind, and everyone seems to forget this, and I I'm not. Sometimes I wonder if legacy players don't realize how kind of like I not isolated, but like insular the legacy community is. There are non-blue combo decks <laughs> <laughs> I, that may come as a surprise to you. I mean, one came in eighth. <laughs> yep. One yeah, came I've... in an eighth. You've got Alurin. You've got Food Chain. You've got Reanimator. Like these decks. Alurin is Saltai. Don't. Yes, but it doesn't. It's from what I understand, it doesn't lean super heavy. Like you could build that deck with slightly worse cantrips. Yes, you could. You give it and especially when you don't have 30% of the meta as Delver. You could build all of them with slightly worse cantrips. Correct. That's what I mean. Like, the the idea that combo is going to disappear out of the format because Ponder's gone yep. is just not true. Yep, I agree. So You just might not consistently win on turn one, which I don't see as a bad thing. Yep. So wrap us up, Matt. What are we, uh, what's our metagame summary? We kind of jumped in there. I yep. jumped in there. Uh, so, metagame summary. 11 of the top 32 were blue-red Delver. That's a lot. 34.38%. <laughs> and just to dig in the knife, uh, Reed Duke also signed up with r what is called Rug Delver, but it's basically Blue Red Delver with two Tarmogoyf instead of Brazen Borrower and mm -hmm. some Tropical Islands. And then it has like uh, Sylvan Library, Ancient Grudge, and... Submerge. Submerge in the side. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, basically 12 yeah. Blue Red Delver decks. A healthy 35% of the meta was Blue Red Delver. Yeah. and then It's okay, Matt. It isn't the deck that's been the best deck in the format for like five years. Yeah. And just completely crapping over the format for seven months. Yep. Um, then we got Jeskai Control as the next most popular deck. And then Elves with two. Lands with two. Eight Cast with two. And then uh, Ant with two as well. And then a handful. It's kind of funny. Ad yeah, Nauseam then, Tendrils and Epic Storm are, are different. So there's th three Storm decks. Yeah. But like, yeah. Then a hand. Then, I mean, like literally like, like six ones. Yeah. There's like, what was that? There's one, two, three. And guess what they are? Blue, 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 blue. <laughs> like, like, so this metagame is approximately like 13 decks wide. Yes. Like, that's it. Yeah. And, and, and you know, you, that's, that's kind of like ad nauseum tendrils and storm or be as being different. The lands decks are different. The, like, <laughs> like yes. cause like you have, you have lands and Selesnya depths are different and Timir Delver and is it Delver different? Yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. There's, there's literally, just looking at this, there's probably like two or three actual unique decks as far as like that there's no other copies. There's ninjas. There's ninjas. <laughs> there's yeah. the Red Storm. And then while Elves does have two Elves, that's, elves. that it's not running like some yeah, of the other crap. The, the number of truly unique decks is pretty low. And yeah. as you said, so Brainstorm was 72%. Brainstorm 72, Force Will 69, Ponder 69, Pyroblast nice. 68, and Days is 41. Pyroblast is 66, man. 66, yeah. Sorry. Jeez. Reading's hard. Don't misrepresent. I know. I wouldn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Again, no surprise here. Top creatures, Delver, DRC, Merktide, Brazen Borrower, Endurance. That's so funny. And then the top spells, exact same thing as the top cards. Brainstorm, Force Will, Ponder, Pyroblast Days. Do it Modern. Yeah. Modern this week didn't look super good. We did have a Modern Challenge. Um, first place was Samar 
Semau Semaumaru Semaumaru. I'm sorry. With Crashing Footfalls, a deck that uh like haven't seen a whole lot. We talk about all the time. Like it's a really powerful deck. It's always po- it's always poised to take uh this and Living End are always poised yep. to kind of like take the. They meta just by need storm. a hot streak, and then you need uh, a hot streak, and you need just kind of the hate to fall away. Uh, I'm not really going to go through this because I'm going to say the same thing I say every time. The Cascade deck, it runs cards you can run in Cascade. That's pretty much it. Yep. It runs things that either cost three or you can cheat that you can cheat that cost and get them cheaper, like with Bonecrusher Giant having a two-mana uh, shock. Yeah. Second, third, and fourth were Hammer Time. Thank God Luris is gone. Kind of had... Yeah, no kidding. I mean, hey, they're Azorius Hammer Time instead of Orchop Hammer Time. Ooh. Yeah, we kind of had a bit of a rough showing this week. Uh, 25% of the meta... But the top 32 was Hammer Time. So popping in here, this looks pretty standard to the Hammer Time lips we've been seeing. One Reality Chip, um, one Core Outfitter that usually bounces between one and three. Steel Shaper's Gifts. Like, so losing the Luris, we pop into white. Does this run? So we get Meddling Mage in the side, but it doesn't run the... Uh, you mean pop into blue. Sorry, pop into blue. Yeah, well, yeah, not white. <laughs> we pop into blue. Um, we get things like the Reality Chip, things like Spell Pierce in the side. What was the uh, La- the Lavinia we've seen kind of off and on, which is a card I love to see, but yeah. we don't get in this one, unfortunately. And then now that we lose Luris, we pick up the Nettle Sis, the Sword of Fire and Ice, and the Cauldron Complete to kind of just round out that uh, Stoneforge Mystic Package. Other than that, looks pretty standard. Uh, let's take a look at third and fourth just to make sure there's nothing crazy different, but these lists seem to be pretty yeah. consistent. The as far as like the meta ge- meta decks go, other than the like value decks like elementals and whatnot, these the lists are pretty yep. dialed in. We've got one here. I mean, like Spell Pierce is in the main, Teferi Time. Like this is obviously a more controlling variant where you got Teferi Time Raveler in the main with Spell Pierce is in the main. So it's a little different, but like it's mostly the same. You lose like this one's the, the this this particular brewer, or I shouldn't say brewer, but DM4X decided to just run the nettle like a, a single nettle cyst and yeah. so they really weakened their stoneforge package to run some of these like more controlling elements in the main like a slightly different version but we yeah, have pretty pretty similar and then uh hopping down to the next one it's pretty similar to the first one where we do have like steel shaper gift we do have some spell pierces in the main but we're back to that cauldra package with the reality chip and uh, stoneforge mystic fifth place is another crashing footfalls list like i said it's another crashing footfalls list yep they uh all the force creatures, subtlety, fury, solitude, and whatnot, are just the pretty much the best things you can be doing in modern. Yeah, just it's hard to. I mean, there's a reason that they cost like, but I mean, I subtlety probably not, but like fury and and solitude, like there's a reason and endurance they cost like thirty, forty, fifty dollars yep. a piece on uh, MTGO. Like these things are ridiculous. Like furies are thirty five bucks a piece. I think solitudes are like fifty or forty. It's a joke. It's kind of a joke how expensive modern is online just because these like, I mean, they printed a bunch of cards straight into modern that are crazy, crazy powerful. Yep. They, I, they took it over. One of the things, like the most powerful things in magic you can be doing are drawing extra cards, not paying for spells and tutoring and tutoring. And that's, they nailed it with one of them. You're, you're not paying for spells. You're paying. Yep. And a lot of them, they don't draw cards, but they generate card advantage. They can easily generate card advantage, especially in the late game. I mean, like you can look at, how often does Solitude generate advantage in the late game where you can spend five mana to cast it, exile a thing, and then block a thing? Yeah. And then we'll, we'll in the decks that run them, then run almost always some way to blink them in and out. Ephemerate has like gone way up in stock because it's just so good. So, uh, was that? Sixth place, we pop down into a Elementals list with Yorion. 
and this is a legit elementals as we talked about with risen re risen yep. re eternal witness and then for fury for solitude for omnath kind of a spicy titania protector of argoth which is kind of cool obviously an incredibly powerful thing to be running with your fetch lands five mana for a five three when it etbs you return target land card from your graveyard to the battlefield and then whenever a land you control is put into the graveyard you make a five three elemental creature token so obviously a pretty powerful top end to just start swarming the board yeah and it, shockingly it works really well with ren and six <laughs> sure <laughs> does if you're gonna use the same fetch land over and over and over you might as well make five threes with it while and you're at she's it. still an elemental and she makes more elementals so she's oh very good gosh. with risen reef i never yeah. realized she was an elemental yeah she's good that is so crazy. That's hilarious. And that's insane, like, grindy value. Yep. So three ephemerates, uh, and this is, this is an Eldomri's call list, four Eldomri's call, some prismatic endings, some bolts, and then some good mana fixing. Not a very spicy list in total other than the one Priest of Titania, which is pretty cool. But running one Priest, or not Priest of Titania, one Titania, Protector of Argoth, and that isn't nearly as uh, odd to see one ofs when you're running four Eldomri call. I'm just like working through the lines in my head where you use her and ephemerate and you get the fetches back and you're making uh, that it just keeps bouncing back and forth. Yep. Like that's sick. Cause she puts it right into play. Doesn't she? Yeah. It puts the fetch. So you grab a fetch, puts it into play. Then you sacrifice the fetch, mm-hmm. get another, uh, get a five, three ephemerate it, do it again. Ephemerate her, but yeah. yeah. Ephemerate her. If you've got Risen Reef, you're drawing cards while you're doing it. Yeah. That's you're going up on board and on cards. Yeah. I mean, like, this is obviously like very win more but like, well, That's the thing is, such a powerful topic, even with like Titania to me, like the Risen Reef makes it kind of the win more scenario where you got a couple. But like basically just Titania and Ephemerate that you could just top deck yep. those and just like storm back. Yeah, that's one of those like, yeah, that that you could you could go from nothing to this game is over. Yeah, next you turn. could put 20 power on the board in two turns and just. Yeah. And catch up or just completely take over a game. Yep. And that's sometimes that's what matters is having that top end potential where obviously you're not going to get there every game, even maybe most games. That's not the plan. But just the ability to to rip victory from the claws of defeat sometimes by going, oh, cool. Slam Titania. Play my fetch land. Fetch. Flicker. Land. Fetch. I now have 15 power on the board. Yeah. How you doing? Good luck. (laughs) I hope you kill me next turn, Yep. (laughs) which is going to be pretty difficult. Pretty difficult. Hopping over to into seventh place, we have another Hammer Time list that looks pretty much the same. We're opting in for Teferi's in the main. Uh, we do have a Paradise Mantle, which is yep, I've seen cool. that pop around every like now a, and then. Like a little uh, Springleaf Drum replacement. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I think this is better than Springleaf Drum, but it is tutorable with the Stoneforge Mystic. I don't know if that's like what's buying it at spot here. And you can also get it from Urza's Saga as well. Oh, that's yeah, duh. That's what it is because this is zero mana. It's yeah. zero mana. So yeah, being able to being able to tutor essentially another mana from Urza Saga is yep, probably pretty good. Re- you know, worst case scenario, it basically replaces the land from yep. that you lost. And then to find some room for those Teferis and whatnot, we've again trimmed down on that Stoneforge package where we're only running one sort of fire and ice. So that's kind of where it seems like a lot of the brewing is is whether or not you're locking into Nettle Cyst, a sword, and Cauldra, or you're running some other like more utility stuff, and then maybe one of those or even none of those extra packages. I think I. Honestly, just looking at it, the way I like to play, that's probably where I would lean. Because, like, the problem is those equipment are just awful in your opening hand. Mm-hmm. And just have, like, your your Colossus Hammer is a great card in your opening hand. It only costs one. You put it on the board, you're good to go. Yep. Like, worst case scenario, right? I'll tell you what, man. Cauldra's not good enough. Cauldra is an amazingly good card. It's not good enough. A with, lot of times it is. the prevalence of both Prismatic Ending and March of... Otherworldly Light. Otherworldly Light. And Solitude. 
it's just not enough. Yep. That it, I mean, like we're we're <laughs> we haven't found the limit of like how good is too good for an equipment. And it turns out coming in, making a creature with haste, that's a five five, and has lifelink, and it or not have lifelink, but is indestructible, does have trample, um, will exile anything it can't kill, still not good enough. Yep. So it needs hexproof. That's that's just kind of where I would lean. Like I've never played the deck, but just from my personal like my particular play style. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of times because I've played Death and Taxes a decent amount, and you just get those hands where you don't have a Stone Forge, but you yeah. just have a bunch of like you got like Batter Skull or the Cauldron yep. in your hand, and you're just like, I've got two seven drops. After after playing a decent bit of Stone Forge Mystic and Cauldron just in general online, like it's just like the number of games where you like, in my opinion, the nut draw. If you're playing a if you're playing a Stone Forge deck where it's yeah. like I go turn one land thing, um, turn two, I guess turn one land would be like the vial. A vial or a, what's the girl giver of runes? Yeah, but then turn two Stoneforge, turn three Cauldra, lose game. Yep, swing swing twice, get them to nine or or seven, lose. They game. stabilize, take over the game. Yep, they they um they'll a lot like they'll Teferi my thing back or they'll solitude it or whatever and yeah, well, stabilize and game's over. Fundamentally, that's the difference between the Cauldra and Colossal Hammer. Yep. Two hits kills you. Yeah, doesn't with Cauldra. That third hit like. This is how I've always thought about it is like you want to look at creatures and the number of attacks it takes. Mm-hmm. The the big one from like old school stuff was like uh Sarah Angel. So it takes Sarah Angel's a four four flyer. Yep. On average it's gonna take five attacks. And that's how you need to be looking at that creature versus other threats yep. in that particular yep. deck. You should be running the math in your clock. Yes. And like, you know, what is your clock gonna be with this creature? Now, I'm not saying that card isn't amazing. Cauldron Complete is an amazing card. Oh, that's for a sure. crazy good creature. But I am saying that if you like don't be afraid to cut that for other things because even though it's amazing, there's plenty of times it's not amazing enough. Yep. That's kind of that's kind of unfortunate with how crazy powerful that card is. And then eighth place was Mono Green Tron, a deck we haven't really seen um like representing itself much. Yeah, so. it kind of pops up about once a month in the yep. top eight. It's kind of cool to see. It's kind of cool to see that it's still there. You know, you I, I I love seeing it be like a solid tier two deck. Yep. I so I started playing modern around cons of Tarkir. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started my first deck was Blue Red Delver, um, with Treasure Cruise. And uh, that obviously got banned, and justifiably so. I was mm-hmm. a little salty at the time, but like, that I means treasure cruise. What are you going to do? But since I've played Modern, all you heard was fuck Tron. Yeah. <laughs> Tron, it was Tron in prime time. Yep. Like, Tron and <laughs> prime. Like, there are, there are, um, like, followings that, like, collectively hate Tron and or prime time. Yeah. So, and both of those decks have fallen into securely tier two status. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is, is there was good reason to hate Tron yep. for years. It was the dominant deck. Wizards spent three or four slots of cards across multiple different sets trying to rein it in, but not kill it. Um, and I mean, eventually the thing is, it hasn't gotten any new cards and it's just been power crept out to the mm-hmm. point where it's not the dominant deck and nothing's really changed yep. from its perspective. Like, it's not like they just banned Tron, which mm-hmm. is what everyone wanted. It's just, it's not nearly powerful enough. Yep. Doing tapping seven mana on turn three is good. Yeah. But it's not, it's not the only deck doing powerful things. There's also just so many like solutions to it now mm-hmm. with things like Cleansing Wildfire, with things like Alpine Moon. There's so much good targeted land destruction that you just didn't have. That yep. like wizards really worked hard to give you good land destruction in modern. Yeah, there's and they there's succeeded. Plenty of answers. Yep. This is like a pretty standard list. You do have one Thrag Tusk, but you got Worm Coils, Olamogs, uh, both Karns, Ugins, and then uh, all the things you need to find your Tron and make some colored mana, like with Chromatic Sphere and Chromatic Star. Yeah, looks pretty standard. Running through our, our metagame summary, we did have 25% hammer time this week, which is 
is definitely That's in that high. this is too much. Yeah. So the only difference is it's pretty common to see that knocked down in modern. Like, yeah, it's normally about four or five. It's not going to see hammer time uh, be 25% for the next six months, probably. Like, we're probably going to see that come down to like 10 or 15% to, uh, next week. Yeah. But we start, we're sitting at 25% right now. We did have four other decks as our second category. And then we had Crashing Footfalls and a, a Blink decks. I'm sorry, and Merktide region decks all at like 9 ish percent with three decks. Then we've got like Yogmoth, Jeskai Control, Blue Living End uh, with two. And now we're down to a couple ones. Although this was a pretty narrow uh, field this time. Like we do, this looks pretty similar to Legacy where we've only got, while the decks are, in my opinion, much more unique across the board, we've only got like 12 or so. Whereas we're used to seeing like, gosh, 20 unique decks Mm -hmm. in this little list of metagame, but kind of a little more conglomerated. Even though we did see the Luris ban, like, like I don't think banning Luris made the metagame particularly worse, but it definitely didn't make it better. Yeah, like the, the only thing we're... Re- so, you're missing a couple Tier 2 or Tier 3 decks that were elevated. Like, we haven't seen Burn, like, really do well mm-hmm. in a past in the past couple weeks. Um, and you see, and like, then you see Grixis Death Shadows Grixis Death Shadow falling really pretty hard off. took a hard hit. Although, it was time for Grixis Shadow to take a hit. Like, it kind of coincided with people just really powering in hate for it and losing a really powerful piece. We haven't seen like hardened scales. We haven't seen. Yeah, uh, that's what I mean. A lot of those tier yeah. two or three decks that, that were, were really kind of elevated by Lura. And that's the thing. And then that's what we talked about when we banned, when you and I both said this, and so far it's been true, is fundamentally the top, the top tier decks haven't changed much at all. Mm-mm. All we've done is A, potentially improved gameplay depending on your preference. Yep. I would 100% say that like that's, a, that's an obvious change. There's going to be far fewer. Uh, like super grindy games where you're just recycling Mishra's bobbles over and over. Sure, that's the metagame's probably better for it. Uh, and then you're going to lose out on stuff that was just that was good enough to play because of Luris. Yep. And that seems to be what's happened. Before we go on, there are two mono black Cabal coffers decks in this top yeah. 32. So <laughs> that's um, awesome. <laughs> watching Aspiring Spike. On the old YouTube, did he, he brew one of these? He didn't brew one. He he heard of. Uh, he maybe brewed a little bit of it. He played a couple, and like he was talking about, like it's an incredibly powerful archetype right now. Um, it's obviously one of those like it's very like um kind of fire in the pan. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a lot more like high variance in terms of the gameplay, but yeah, like it does have that just completely outspend your opponent bar none. Cast ludicrously powerful spells, things like I mean, hard casting Grizzlebrand and Archon, obviously, but other things like. Invoke Despair, where so it's five mana with four black pips, and you know target opponent sacks a creature. If they can't, they lose two life, and you draw a card, and then you repeat this for enchantments and planeswalkers. Yeah, just these um, crazy powerful cards. It is running Liliana, which is kind of a cool thing. Yep. This isn't even running as some of the expensive stuff I'm used to seeing. Like there's like some six or seven mana like enchantments that um, I usually see with these decks. But he talked about it. Like anytime Aspiring Spike plays a deck and then uploads it. Like you, those are the like the decks that make it to YouTube are the ones that he like at least kind of enjoyed playing or had a like, I think he went like three two he didn't go crazy but he usually only uploads the decks that he thinks have some kind of merit mm-hmm. obviously he streams all fucking day with tons of stuff but the, what makes it to YouTube is what he kind of puts some merit in and I did see one or two leagues run through with a mono black cabal coffers deck which just to me as an outsider looking in is like I give that deck some respect now where one of the best modern players on MTGO one of the best modern grinders picked it up thought it was okay thought it was worth trying. I kind of want to play this. I have almost all of it. Like I'd need a couple Karns. <laughs> like, you should. We'll take... Like I've got Damnation. I've got Thoughtseize. All, like Legacy stuff. I've got. Let's go play Night Magic. That's cool. I I'm so like I love Elves, mm-hmm. but I'm not really a green player. I just like Elves. 
I play black. Like let's, that's like my favorite. Hypothetically, color. then let's look at this. Like, how do you beat me with Reanimator? And do you? Yeah. You, well, well, you got Thoughtseize. You got ways to kill it. You have Thoughtseize. You have Cling in the main. You've got, I mean, six Thoughtseize effects. It's pretty freaking good against a yeah. uh, combo deck. Yep. You do have Damnation, which is slow, but there's plenty of games where that deck plans on winning on turn. Well, and one of the big things is one of the one of the things like if you're playing um, Archon of Cruelty, the biggest advantage that you have is when other people are playing creatures because mm-hmm. you're just destroying their shit. Yep. Those, well, those sick two for This ones. deck is not going to have that problem. It'll be like, okay, well, you put out a 6-6 six, six and I kill it. And yep. then we're going to go back and forth and I'm going to yep. rip your hand apart. But you're not going to be two for wanting me or three for wanting me. As aggressive. Yeah, nearly as aggressively. And I mean, I to be perfectly honest, perfectly honest, Liliana is a pretty decent answer to Archon. Well, does, it, does it hit Planeswalkers? It, it does. does. Okay, gotcha. It can. Of but, course it so does. So Liliana is a good, like, I mean, you drop Liliana, you can kill. It's, it's a good edict. It, that, yeah, Liliana lines are pretty well against me. I usually want stuff in my graveyard anyway, but I mean, heavy hand disruption. It's it's kind of dumb to compare compare any. De- oh, compare it to my random yeah. deck that nobody plays, but it's just because we'll be half of the meta right. if we go. But yeah. I just got, just out of curiosity to see how it compares up against mine. But yeah, that's because I'm definitely playing reanimator because I love that deck it's, and it's really good, super cool. So I'm really that's the first one I've seen. I also like this build because it's got cascading uh, cataracts and Golos. Um, like it's just cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's kind of silly but it's kind of cool like the ball coffers great. cascading cataracts into golos is like because like golos and goes and gets your cascading cataracts you probably already have a coffers from earlier in the game and now you're you know you're getting to use golos a bunch that's that's just that's just neat yep. like because the thing is this is kind of in a in a little bit kind of like your lotus field deck where like you're going to generate a bunch of mana and what you do with it is kind of up to you. Like mm-hmm. there's some there's some cards in here that probably need to be in here, but like like if you look at the other one, he's not running Golos. Yep. Like they, he yeah, just he, runs Emrakul. Yeah, you're running you the the shell is make Oogles a mana, and then you pick your win cons. You pick yeah. your 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 mana sinks. Yep. And if you I mean it's if you look in the sideboard, it's exactly that. You got another Golos, a Worm Coil Engine, a Sundering Titan, an Emrakul, the Aeon's Torn. Yep. <laughs> it's, I and mean, then Walking Ballista. 15 mana is not unrealistic. No, it's not. All right, let's wrap this up. Most played cards, Esper Sentinel, Pure Steel Paladin, Stoneforge Mystic, Colossus Hammer, and Sigurd's Aid. That's literally one deck. <laughs> Shocking. Top creatures. 25%. Esper <laughs> Sentinel, Pure Steel Paladin, Stoneforge Mystic, Fury and Endurance. That's mostly one deck. And then top spells, Colossus Hammer, Sigurd's Aid, Fairy Time Raveler, Force of Vigor, and Mystical Dispute. Yep. A little bit of variation in there. A little bit of variation. So... We basically have kind of one thing to talk about, and I've, we've teased it a lot. There's no reason to like pretend you guys don't know about it. If you're listening to our podcast, you probably listen to other podcasts or Good Morning Magic or any. I mean, it's the only thing Magic's cared about for the last week. Um, Huey went on, did a really good podcast, uh, podcast, but a really good like stream, and gave us some of the best news we've gotten about Magic in the last five years. Yeah. Like, like it's like legitimately just a podcast or a podcast, a stream full of amazing news. Dying to hear. Yep. So what's going to happen is for fifty bucks you can get twelve wild cards. Yeah, exactly. Like they, they you you can you can just you can just buy wild cards now. Like yeah. That's, everyone's happy about that. <laughs> so what? 2018, 2019, They gutted the pro tour and they said we want to have esports be a thing. We want teams. We want uh, you to be able to root for your player that's in every tournament. So they made the MPL, the Magic Pro League. How do you get in the Magic Pro League? Well, either you win the pro tour before it gets started. 
or you win 15 consecutive tournaments and then maybe you can compete for a spot. Right. If you compete in the correct tournaments in the correct order, so complicated people at Watsi didn't know how to get into the pro like people on stream couldn't answer questions or you get picked because you're popular or you get picked because you're really popular or you do really good in a couple tournaments that are really that are special and you didn't know it so crazy complicated and no one liked it now the reason no one liked it who knows like it's probably a combination of the pro scene of magic is full of a bunch of Monday morning quarterbacks like me who like to sit down and go there's a chance I could make it you know not as a pro but I can make it to these big tournaments I could bring home a pot it's got to be you know, you get lucky a couple times, you do some good grinding, and that flew out the window. And so I think that's one of the reasons the MPL did not do well. It, it dashed well, the it took dreams. The way, it took away the dream of being a pro it took player. took away the dream of being a pro player, or at least a very successful player. Yeah, if you're not on this list, Wizards will never pay you to play Magic. Uh, it was also entirely on Arena, which sucks. is not MPL's fault because it was COVID, but sucks. Like, watching Magic on Arena, even though, like, Arena Magic isn't terrible, it's just not fun. It's not... And you hear people talk about all the time, like, it's fun to watch people play Magic in person because you see, like, the, the windmill slams, the, like, the holding their head, the, the, the tap to attack, realize the misplay. You, you get to see the emotion. And, like, I've watched a decent bit of streaming. There's not a lot of emotion. There's a, there's a few select moments where Arena had some really emotional moments for people. But what a lot of it is, is a man or woman looking at their computer. And clicking. Clicking. And that's it. Yep. And like, it's just not fun to watch. Well, you're <laughs> on top of like magic in general kind of isn't fun to watch. Yeah. So you got to be kind of a diehard already. And arena isn't even a fun form of magic to watch. No, it's it's kind of the difference between watching a football game and watching people play Madden. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. So <laughs> they come out a couple years after that and they say, look, uh, we're gutting MPL. It doesn't work. You guys don't like it. Nobody's watching. We'll let you know when we figure out pro play. And that was what, a year ago, like nine that. months ago. Yeah. Like it, we just sit here waiting on a bated breath and they come out on Thursday and they're like, it's, it's actually really cool. And I'm going to Aramis on the plane talkers brought this up and I want to uh, credit him for like really bringing this to my mind. So they posted the article about an hour and a half, two hours before the stream, giving you all the information so that people could come to the stream basically knowing what was going on. So you had like a lot of good questions formed, but you weren't just like on the edge of your seat waiting for him yeah. to say it. Pro play is back. The pro tour, like the name pro tour is back. It's a super simple structure. It's very difficult, but it's very simple. So the new setup is you first qualify by going to like a local card shop, a WPN store. They'll host tournaments probably only like once per pro tour because there's not a ton of tournaments that get you into the pro tour. Like there's not like no Grand Prix or whatever, but mm -hmm. you do well that tournament. You win one of your local tournaments. You now qualify for it. It'll be a regional qualifier. Now you qualify for a regional championship. Now, the regional championships, there's only like 11 regions in the world. Like the United States is one region. You get to the regional championships, which are hosted by DreamHack. They're, these are so the local tournaments aren't run through Watsi. The regional championships are not run through Watsi. These are going to be probably a little a little bigger or e equal in prestige to like a Pro Tour or maybe even a, a Grand Prix. I think they were talking about like 300-ish people. Mm -hmm. We qualifying for these. If you come in, I want to say the top 32 or the top 48 of the regional championship, on top of making a bunch of money, you qualify for the Pro Tour. You go to the Pro. If you come in first or second, I think you qualify for Worlds as well. You go to the Pro Tour. Now, the Pro Tour is run by Watsi and actually will have coverage. Huey guaranteed coverage for the Pro Tour and for Worlds. Good. Uh, when it comes to the regional championships, you're looking at a case-by-case -case basis, and that's going to be something DreamHack has to organize. Mm -hmm. But you come in. 
first place at or top 32, you get, make it to the Pro Tour. I don't know what the breakdown is on the Pro Tour to get to Worlds, like what you have to do, like top eight or top 32. But I think they said Worlds is going to be like a 150 person tournament or 120 person tournament. That's going to be once a year. Mm-hmm. So you'll have three Pro Tours. It's a season. I think a season is not a calendar year, but it's like 12 months. Yeah. So you've got three Pro Tours that will all feed into one Worlds. So you could probably do the math where you've got like, if you have three Pro Tours, you're probably looking at like the top 32. So are they basically kind of doing a Pro Tour per, per continent? Like the Americas. I know America's North and South, but yeah. like the Americas, a Europe and maybe an Asia Pro Tour. I don't know, but probably considering it, you have. The- they didn't say. Uh, they might have. Uh, gotcha. There's plenty I missed. Like I was working when it was going on, so I missed plenty of it. Um, possibly. I, I also, as an American, I mostly cared about the Americans. Yeah. Team, so I. Well, it's not. You're not gonna fly to Japan. No, to I'm not worried about qualifying. <laughs> to um, be fair, if I got into it, I would absolutely fly to yeah, Japan you, to play. If you made it to the well, that's a, so there and there's tons of things to talk about. Like I'm just kind of run through some of the big stuff. So like one of the things they brought back was uh, if you're a Hall of Famer. You do get you do qualify for one pro tour a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't qualify. You only for all get of them. to go to one. Exactly. You only get to, you basically get to redeem it once a year. You get to go in, which is kind of cool. Is it like, just the next one? Do you know? I think or, you get to pick. Gotcha. I believe you get to pick anyone you, you want. You get a golden ticket, so you to get speak. A golden ticket a year to a pro tour. So you could go to the Japan one, or you could go to your local. They are not doing any like paid flights to pro tours anymore. Mm-hmm. So you gotta get yourself there. But I believe Huey did say that the pro tours will now pay to every position. Yeah. So the idea being that most likely your ticket will get paid for just by showing up. Yeah. Like you, you show up and scrub out and last, you're probably still going to make some money and hopefully we'll still pay for your plane ticket. Yeah. That's obviously not as good as them writing you a check to get there, but better than nothing. Yep. Oh, what else? I mean, is there anything else that you want, like that I'm missing before we start like really diving into this, like important information people should know? Not that I know. Of. Um, the first, the first pro tour, which I think is 2023. Nothing is really happening until 2023. I think you might have some like qualifiers that happen in late 2022. They've, there's probably a lot of behind the yes, scenes. Yes, actually, another is because I believe DreamHack announced they're doing their first regional championship in I think September. Mm-hmm. I think it might be in Atlanta. I think they're playing on like Atlanta and Dallas. There's tons of obviously kinds of tons of details. I'll get the the article posted. But like legitimately attainable pro play is back. Are you yep. excited? Yes and no. Um, I am excited for other people. You're an old fart. I have no intention of attempting to make it onto the pro tour. I'm gonna um, try and make it happen. And I, I will 100% root for you and help you with whatever you need. That's not one of my goals anymore. Um, I've had the, I've gone, I've lived through the fantasizing about making it on the pro tour. I'm not good enough at magic. Yeah. It just boils down to that. And not only am I not real, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. The skill level in an absolute sense is probably here. I do not have the time or the drive mm-hmm. to do what I need to do to play professional magic. Yep. Like in that sense, I am not one of the top thousand players in the world yep. and I'm I, realistically probably never going to be. So I'm excited for everyone else and for the magic community as a whole. But uh, like, it's kind of like, okay, that it doesn't really apply to me. Yeah. In I'm, the, in the strictest sense, obviously a rising tide lifts all boats. Mm-hmm. So like magic being healthy is a good thing as a magic yep. player, even if it doesn't directly benefit me. And I'm again, excited for everybody else, but I have no intention of trying to make it to a pro tour. I was talking to my wife about it and I, I had very much the same mentality where at least, even if I never wanted to play professional magic or competitive magic, just the fact that there is a competitive magic scene is so good for competitive magic. Mm-hmm. That there is this outlet for people. That's why it was just such phenomenal news, whether you want to play in the pro tour or not. Like it was phenomenal, phenomenal news that exists. And there's a reason for people to play competitive magic again. Yeah. Well, in the like, you can just look at this. 
the excitement that was generated when they announced that Modern was going to be in a pro tour before they cut them. Like Modern went from like kind of not like bad or but it went from like a little stale to being the format. Yeah, like matters. overnight, they they announced there's going to be a Modern Pro Tour yep. and people lose their minds or as they start like go going and buying Modern decks and yep. testing for I mean, it. And there's all kinds of content being made. Like all of that stuff is really cool. And I'm excited that they've done multiple formats. That was the one. That's probably the biggest information we didn't cover in the, oh, yep. is like what formats are going to be played. So the, to qualify, you are, the stores are limited in what they can use to qualify. You have to play either limited, standard, modern, or pioneer. Mm -hmm. So that's it. Now the first pro tour is going to be pioneer and limited. So I think it's going to be uh, a dra I think they're going to do draft like like five rounds of draft and then or maybe it was like three rounds of draft and then five rounds of constructed. I might get the details wrong, but yeah, yeah it's going to be pioneer. But you unfortunately no legacy, no popper um, for any of the qualify anything involving the pro tour, the pro yeah. tour pretty much. That makes sense. Uh, I to be yep. I, I would it. like to see legacy on that scene. But the biggest thing for me, I would love it if there were like legacy Grand Prix or Magic Fest. Yeah. That's kind of where I think legacy should be at. Yeah. Um, so one thing to talked about how they're not doing Magic Fest, they're not doing Grand Prix. They're basically offloading that idea of a large, um, organized, fun tournament that doesn't really feed into the Pro Tour, whereas a Grand Prix would, but these wouldn't. They're kind of offloading those and letting uh, Channel Fireball and SCG keep well, doing them. Uh, like that, as soon as we started talking about that, that kind of popped into my head is... And not in a cons conspiratorial sense, but it would not surprise me at all if Wizards sat down with Channel Fireball and Star City Games. And like, it's probably not a coincidence that Star City Games started doing their cons again. Yep. If Wizards goes, hey, we're going to back out of this scene. Exactly. There's now going to be a market there. You should start putting resources there. Yep. And like, again, this isn't like grand conspiracy. This is just businesses that work together, getting a plan yeah. together. And it makes perfect sense. Yep. Like if Wizards like, we're going to handle the professionals, like the, like, We'll handle these formats, and if you look at them, like there's a little bit of overlap, but there's it doesn't surprise me at all now, knowing what the Pro Tour is going to be, that Star City Games is covering Legacy. Because mm -hmm. when at first we were like, well, that's kind of weird, because in their their Star City Tour or whatever that they used to, they actually dropped Legacy. Yep. And then they brought back these uh, the SCG cons, yeah. and they're holding major events for Legacy. Yeah. Like 5Ks, 10Ks, a yeah. 25K team event. Like those are, that's a big deal, and yep. it was kind of surprising that they brought it back. But it Which, makes sense. But now seeing the full picture here, that actually makes perfect sense. Yep. And good on them. Like that's well executed that from standard, pioneer, modern, limited, and legacy, there are major events to play every single year, multiple times a year. Yep. Like everybody gets a hit. Yeah. They, they did they did such a good job with this. Yeah. I mean, I mean this is like, one of the best things I've seen from Wizards do in a while. Obviously, I can only say Watsy, but yeah, if like the the idea that they're probably all collaborating on it. Like everybody has done Everyone who had their hand on this pie did a phenomenal yeah. job. And so, as we always talk about, giving Watsy credit where credit is due, this is amazing. Like, almost could not have done it better. Yeah, The so the only argument I could see people having, and you and I had talked about this, is previous iterations of the Pro Tour allowed you to be more of a grinder to yeah. get there and generating, like, points and whatnot to make it yep. to different levels. You, you had Planeswalker statuses and whatnot. Yeah. And like, so you could, you didn't, you weren't necessarily reliant on spiking, like, spiking one event, yep. but there's a upside to that where obviously you still need to grind because you need to be able to win games yep. and you need to know your deck in and out and the meta in and out, but you don't have to win or do well in the next 10 tournaments. Nope. You need to go to your local game store and qualify for a regional. So that's realistically, that's probably going to take a few attempts. Probably. 
um, and I don't know the rules, but there probably isn't anything stopping somebody who won one from coming to next week. Mm-mm, nope. So like you, you you're going only, to be, you can only qualify for one regional championship per year, per yeah. season. But there's but. nothing stopping from that guy from playing it. Yep. And then the, the invitation just floats down to the next, yeah. the next person. If they so you're going to be up against like real players, even at your local game store. So it's probably going to take a few attempts to get qualified for a regional. Probably. But like from there, you need to spike the regional and then play in the Pro Tour. Yeah, that's it. That's why like, like if you want to make it to the Pro Tour, you have to win two tournaments. In theory, now, yes. Now, don't get me wrong. That's incredibly difficult to do. These are going to be very difficult tournaments to win. But like the minimum you have to do that is very like like legitimately doable is you have to go win one tournament and then top 32 the next. Yeah. And boom, you're in the Pro Tour. Yep. That's all it takes. Yep. Now, I'm not saying, again, that's hard. It's very simple. It's, it's just not, it, it's not like, complicated, it's, but it's, it's very difficult. And it's not what the MPL was and trying to get to rivals and trying right. to get into tournament after tournament after tournament. To well, maybe I mean, get... we, we joked around about it here before where we're like, okay, so this is a super qualifier. Uh-huh. What exactly does that mean? And it's yeah. like, oh, well, it, it gets you into this next one. And that, that gets qualify- you into a, a showcase challenge. Does it qualify you into the showcase? No, the showcase qualifies you for the mocks. No, the mocks is, <laughs> right. no, the mocks isn't the, no, it, no, it's the, it's the set championship that's. Yeah. Whereas win local, is, win regional, win national, yeah. or Wait, yeah. international. It, yeah, yeah. Win region or sorry, win local, go to regional. Do well at regional, go to pro tour. Do probably really good at pro tour, but to worlds. worlds. Yeah, and worlds is a back to a billion dollar payout. Do they still? It's been a while. Do they still give the world championship players a card they get to help design? No clue. Gotcha. No idea. That was one of the most uh, exciting things about worlds to me. One, there's one more thing I want to cover um, in case because it's kind of confusing. So. When it and you're talking about grinding, there's one kind of grinding you can do if you want to be like a professional magic player. They do have an, they do have a reward system built in if you're like constantly going to pro tours. Um, so if you're the best of the best, they do actually give you a little bit extra. Which actually, basically. I realize I don't understand something. I guess because if you can only play in one regional championship per season, how would you qualify for multiple pro tours? I imagine if you do, I think didn't they say like top eight gets an automatic? qualification for the next one maybe there's other ways and maybe i misunderstood that maybe he meant once maybe you can only play in one uh, regional championship per pro tour that would make more sense i guess maybe you could maybe you could qualify for multiple pro tours but you can't like go to regional go to regional go to regional to qualify for a sync for for pro tour number one gotcha regardless yeah look uh, up the details if if you get now this i do know this is how this works so if you get to the pro tour um and you do well the way they're doing it is it's called it's a and it's an adjusted match win point system mm-hmm. So. The first three wins you uh, you subtract three from your number. So it's how many how many ga- how many matches did you win today? Let's say you won ten. You subtract three from that. What you're left with is you won seven. You you are left with seven matches. You have seven points. Now if you make it to the top I, eight, you get an additional twelve. Mm-hmm. But let's say you don't. Let's say you just go. You make you win twelve matches or ten matches over the day. You've got seven points. Now if the last three pro tours put together equates to 39 points total you automatically qualify for the next pro tour no work required so if you were to go to a pro tour let's say you let's say you win 12 games that day let's say you go like 12 and 2 you make it to the top eight and you scrub out you don't win but you got that would be nine 12 minus three is nine plus your 12 that you got for top eight is 21 points yep you go to your next pro tour let's say you're luis scott vargas you top eight again you got another let's say the same record 12 two and you top eight so that's another 21 points you're sitting at 49 points you would actually qualify for the next two pro tours because the next pro tour you're qualified for and then 
even if you even if you scrub out, you still have your your last three pro tours add up to it's 41. A, it's a rolling total. It's a rolling thing. Gotcha. So then you would qualify. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yes, you do, and hopefully the listener yeah. does too. It's kind of oddly enough that's similar to how our hours of service work as delivery drivers. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's a rolling eight day period. But yes, so. If you do really good in two tournaments, let, let's say you do really good in the first one and really good in the second one, you could skip the third one and you're still qualified for the fourth one. As long as you're the last three pro tours, you have a total of 39 points or more, you're automatically in. Cool. So that's like that's a really good system to really reward. If you're grinding pro tours, if you're consistently making it to pro tours and doing decent, then you will very likely be able to get to the next one for free. You don't well, have to go it, through this, go to my local, then go to the regional, then make yeah. it to the pro tour. And it it. It's kind of like the MPL, but it this is going to sound bad, but you have to earn it more directly. Yeah, so like, more regularly, more too. Re- so like if you consistently go to pro tours and win, you're just you're yeah. a pro player. Yep. Like that there's so there's and there's that will happen. There's yeah. going to be a small percentage of pro players who are there almost every time uh-huh. because they can show up and consistently top 32 or top eight pro tours. Yep. E- at least one in three. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a very small percentage. But those people exist. It's nice that the reward structure is there. Yeah. Like, because like, being good at magic consistently is fucking hard. Oh, and if you can do it, you deserve a reward. It's borderline. I don't, it's not impossible yeah. literally, but it is figuratively well, I mean, impossible. We talked about they banned decks when they win 57% yeah. of a non mirror. Like, pros are, you're talking about like, obviously, an overall win rate, not a tournament win rate, yeah. is 60 to 70% for like the best players in the yep. world. So, so you, if you go through and you can consistently spike these incredibly competitive tournaments, you deserve some extra. Yep. So at least some extra like security. Yes. Like you don't have to, like I said, you're not you, looking for your next meal. So you to don't speak. have to, and even if you're not being a professional magic player, but you don't have to, like I said, if you did really good in the last three pro tours in a row, you don't have to worry about spiking your local Friday right. Night Magic tournament. You probably don't need to go back to Sage's shop yeah. and <laughs> school some noobs. You don't have to worry about going to Atlanta and hopefully I top 32 this tournament. Right. Like you. Well, in the reverse, because the reverse is absolutely true. It's super easy to just go on a cold streak and just be like, yep. well, I'm one of the best players in the world, but I haven't been able to win. Yep. At, I mean, game store is a little different, but going to those regionals, those, that's going to be very, very high competition. Yeah. So, hard. like, realistically, I mean, it's very easy to not do that's that. That's the reason the as, MPL got created. Was yeah. Magic wanted or Watsy wanted people to kind of coalesce around a team, and you just can't have under normal circumstances a team. Yeah, they, you, it you rotates can't through. You can't guarantee Luis Scott Vargas or um uh what's the end? What's the nah? It's it's I just, I just it, there's a there's an incredibly power, uh, incredibly popular Magic player whose name starts with an end. Nasif. You can't guarantee uh, Nasif's gonna make it. You can't guarantee PVDDR is gonna make it. Yeah, he probably will. But like PVDDR could totally go on a cold streak and not pro tour for the next year, the next two pro tours. Yep. Well, and that's kind of the, and, that's part of the appeal of magic. Yes. So like that is the whole, like, so that's what the MPL was created. Whereas like, well, we want PVDDR to be there every single time. Well, the only way you can do that is by making him a part of an, a select team that always gets to go. And that just kind of went against the grain of what magic has always been to people, which is I can go to a tournament. I can beat PVDDR and I can go to the pro tour. Did they say how they're doing it with Hall of Famers? Do they get like one invite a year? That's what we talked about. Yeah, you get one a year. Gotcha. That's cool. It was Hall of Famer. Yeah, you get because Hall of Fame used to be you got to go to every Pro Tour. They dialed it back to where you get one a year. You can choose. Well, yeah, one. and the Pro Tours are a little bit bigger than that. So it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that was your, your golden ticket. Yeah, that's cool. I, yep. I, I had to track down uh, which one Finkel plays in. He's probably my favorite. Like, yeah, that's the whole thing. Like when people talk about like Finkel, like 
because he come back. He when well, was that? He uh he did that seasons pass deck a while back. It he basically showed up and won a pro tour. <laughs> like, oh, I heard he about brewed, that. He he's just like he brewed a completely different deck. Nobody yep. was playing with it, and just like. I heard about that. Yeah. I wasn't following Magic enough to like realize what was going on, but yeah, he just popped into a metagame that he didn't really play, didn't know much about, hadn't played Magic in forever, and just won. Yeah, because because he's, he's John fucking Finkel. Because he's one of the best he's Magic Mr. Magic that's like, ever lived. Yep. But you know, I, we're getting a little long. Obviously, we had to talk about it. It's just something we're both super happy about. I I will get another five minutes. I'm legitimately gonna try. I'm not gonna chase like every tournament. I'm not gonna travel a ton. But I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to go to locals. If I could qualify for the regional championship, that'd be really cool. Um, that'd be pretty fun. I'd be happy to talk about that. And if I could, if I could just qualify for a pro tour, that would be. I told Sarah uh, the highlight of my life. I would tell every Magic player I ever met for the rest of my life that I qualified for a pro tour. Yep. If I could do it, and realistically, all I gotta do is spike two tournaments in a row. Yep. You used to just have to win a PTQ, get yeah. a blue envelope, and go. Yep. Well, I got a little more work ahead of me, but I did pick up a Pioneer deck, which if you guys, anyone listening, wants to play Pioneer, in our Discord, I do have a Pioneer channel. We're starting to organize between me and some of the Plain Soccer's guys, and, and Matt, maybe, so we can play some Spell Table. Obviously, I play a lot of MTGO Pioneer, but playing Paper Pioneer is a lot of fun. You know, to talk to people would be a lot of fun. So we're trying to organize some Spell Table Pioneer stuff. I'm sure there's tons of discords you could join, but if you want to add one more to your list, you can hop in and chit chat with us and you could play Pioneer with your favorite uh, Magic the Gathering podcast hosts. Yeah, and when you're done with uh, their podcast, you can come listen to us. Yeah, you can come to our, our discord as well. <laughs> yeah. But uh, if anyone's interested, I am currently, I own, I own and bought Lotus Storm because it's not Lotus Storm, I guess. It's Lotus, Lotus Field Combo because I love Lotus. I love Twiddle Storm in Modern and I... Have been goldfishing it quite a bit. I've played quite a few games on Magic Online, and the deck is really fun and really, really good. Yep. Um, you get to play Dig Through Time, which is one of the most powerful Magic cards ever printed. It's up there. So I'm curious. I don't. I'd be surprised if they did anything before the Pro Tour. But this is actually one of the downsides of being on a Pro Tour. You kind of got the Eye of Sauron on you. Uh-huh. So that's what happened to Modern is they banned Splinter Twin right before the Pro yeah. Tour explicitly to shake up the meta. Oh, that's what will happen. If I make it to a Pro Tour, <laughs> they'll be like, you know what? Lotus Field's just too good. They're absolutely going to ban. Oh, it's got Lotus in the name. It needs to go. What they'll ban is they'll ban Thespian Stage. Yeah. You can have Lotus Field. You just don't get to make a free Lotus Field. Yeah. So, so we'll see. If it guys... would only be your like seventh deck uh-huh. that gets banned. Yeah, it's, so. it's absolutely. Luckily, I'm only like 120 bucks in. So. That's why you just got to stick with playing elves. Nobody bans elves because nope. they're mediocre. Nobody wins with it. <laughs> yep. All right. Um, Matt, was there anything else you want to talk about today before I kind of wrap our episode up? We've been kind of sporadic, but um, I think we got everything covered that we not unless to talk we about. want to talk about Valheim for another 15 minutes. No, I'd rather not because I still have to go through this podcast <laughs> yeah. and edit it. So yeah, of course. As we wrap up, I do want to give a final shout out to Will and Aramis over at the Plain Soccer's Podcast, uh, twitch.tv forward slash Plain Soccer's Podcast. Monday and Wednesday at I think it's seven or eight p.m. Eastern Standard for Monday, a pretty good standard podcast where they're a bunch of dorks and. Actually, if you join the Twitch chat, they do a pretty good job of like chit-chatting with you live and you get to be kind of a part of the podcast. And then Wednesday, they do their Commander Craft. If you want to join in on that, discord.plainstalkerspodcast.com. We share a Discord with them. So you can head over there. You can join a Commander Craft episode. You can be a part of a really fun and growing community. And you can head over to our Discord and talk about you know eternal formats and maybe hop and get some Pioneer games with me or Aramis or Kinetics or anyone else that we get to join that wants to, you know, basically goldfish or play some pioneer over spell table. If you want to reach out to us more personally, you can hit us up at cantripcartel at gmail.com. If you want to check out our Facebook, and I did reply to you, Vic Coleman, <laughs> it did take some extra prompting. I do feel bad. I'm 
I'm a I'm a bad podcast host. I'm sorry. We haven't mastered our social media presence. No. We. Jake hasn't mastered his social hey, media. We discussed this a couple weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> if you want me to reply, I'm happy to do but it. <laughs> feel free to reach out to us. Um and to be honest, the more you pester me, the more like like don't be afraid to like <laughs> to like post, 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 be like and yell at me. I'll I'll just tag him. Don't be afraid to to get the cattle prod out, but Cantrip Cartel on Facebook and uh, at Cantrip Cartel on Twitter. Matt, is there anything I'm forgetting? Nope. Well, in that case, <laughs> I guess we'll see you guys next week. Yep. Have a nice night, guys. So uh, at the end of your turn, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'll use my Lotus Field to make Thespian Sage a copy of Lotus Field. All right. Okay. Then uh, on my turn, I'm going to uh, so give uh, this little hidden strings. That's I'll make four mana, eight mana, 12 mana. I'm going to cast Omniscience. Cool. 